Hi, Chris. How are you? Good evening, Rod. Yeah, all is well in the very hot shed. I assume it's the same in Swansea. Yeah, I think it's very hot everywhere at the moment. All the news sites reporting highest temperature ever recorded in the UK. We're not designed for 40 degree heat. We're not designed for 30 degree heat, frankly. So it's just a threat to life and limb. Not very nice. Yeah, I must confess I've been in the office today. So I enjoyed the aircon at work and the aircon in my car to get there. So I've not actually really experienced much of it. Yeah, I decided not to go into work today, and I told my team not to come into work today as well, because if you've got to travel, today's not a day for traveling, particularly by train. Uh, I completely agree. If you're using public transport, don't. There's no need. It's too hot. It's uncomfortable. Why put yourself through it? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, enough about the weather. I think we should crack on with Wake From Sleep, episode 26 for the 18th of July, 2022. Yeah, let's do it. So I think first up, we've got some follow-up, and firstly, my car. So... I was talking to you a little bit, I think, after last week's show, and I had a couple of minor little niggles with it that were annoying me with CarPlay. So the first one was every now and again, I just get random CarPlay won't connect. And it's like, is that the car? Is that because I'm running iOS 16 beta? What is it? And I did get this occasionally in my last car, but not that bad. And so I am quite got to the bottom of it. I just ended up rebooting the head unit and then reboot my phone, and hopefully it works. And that seems to do it, but it's a bit a cop out and then the other thing that really annoyed me on Saturday is I took the children for a trip in the car and we were playing some music but the the BMW part of the car thought the music was actually a phone call and so only brought the voice the, the sound out the center speaker in the front and didn't use the eight speakers all around it and didn't sound very good and again it was just like why is it thinking the music's a phone call it was just really bizarre but I don't know if that's BMW's fault or is that Apple's fault or my fault because I'm running a beta so just some slight annoyances there. Hopefully, it all will get fixed because it's just software. And this is wireless CarPlay, right? It's not a cable. Correct, wireless CarPlay. So my last Beamer had wireless CarPlay, which was two generations ago. They've been. Doing, this is three generations of wireless CarPlay and BMW. Wow, you think they'd have it right by now, really? Well, the worst one is is if you put your wireless CarPlay phone on the Qi charger, either Apple or BMW got it wrong because it gets too hot to work. It's a common fault, and you have to put your phone in front of the air vents, which just seems bonkers to me because who's not going to just chuck their phone down, let it charge? And they, but we, I don't know which side hasn't adjusted the trickle charge, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's fairly unacceptable. And there's somebody who's got G charging in their car, all right, not with CarPlay, but I do run Waze at the same time, and I have no problems, it just keeps going. Waze runs the phone pretty hard, the G charging, it needs a bit of a charge. You've got the screen on all the time, and mine hasn't overheated. It's not good, is it? It's suggestive, it's just, oh, it's so suggestive of BMW. Another little BMW story that popped up this week that I, I know I pinged you about on, on, on Messenger. But what's this about BMW charging for heated seat subscriptions? Yes, yeah, so apparently they've just launched in the UK. You can now buy heated seats on a monthly subscription, which I kind of get and I kind of don't. Part of me thinks, oh, you know what? Rather than pay the upfront cost of X hundreds or thousands, you could just get them when you want them and then in the warmer months like now not not bother paying for them but i don't know is this the way the world's going is this just something for wall street because you see it all the time that people want companies to demonstrate how they can have reoccurring revenue and obviously subscriptions is the way to go we're seeing it with apple we're going to see it with more companies so are bmw the first to do it or is this just stupid and it's not going to catch on I think it's stupid and it's not going to catch on. Because if you look at most electric cars, Hyundai, VW, Tesla, you know, you buy the car, it all comes in a package and that's it, it's job done. And 
you know, BMW were always the first company to charge, you know, extra for having the heated seats or the adaptive cruise control or whatever it was in the first place. You buy a car with all these things and you a nickel and dime it going forward. I just think it's mental. You just stop paying it in the winter. I, I, it's just, I, it's taking your car even further out of your hands. And I think this isn't the first example I'm doing this. They used to charge for CarPlay or there was an annual fee or something. It was a three yearly fee for CarPlay because I bought that in my last car. I, th- I think what I find odd though with the heated seats is in a world where we're su- supply constrained, you're going to end up building cars with features in it that may never ever get activated, but yet you're struggling to get hold of the chips and the bits that do it. For example, when I bought my BMW, it came with built-in lumbar support and you can adjust it all with the electric motors. And so does the passenger seat. But now if you go and buy it, they've taken it out as a standard option because they're struggling to get all the chips and bits for it. So they're starting to make things more more optional extras, which I get in a constraint market. So I, I just find it bizarre that you're going to have all this stuff in your car and you literally may never use it. But then I kind of like the idea of I've just bought a car and at the time of buying it, I couldn't buy these couple of extras, but I could turn them on later, which I kind of like. And I can do that in my car now. So say if I want a high beam assist, so where the lights automatically come on and off, I can pay £150 and have it as an optional extra afterwards. And I can do the same with cruise control, like the radar cruise control and speed cameras. I can buy those as extras, which I kind of like because sometimes when you're buying a car, especially if you're buying a company car, you have to hit certain thresholds and you can then buy a few things afterwards if you want or a year from now if you've got a bit more money and you're going to keep your car a bit longer you might go oh, i'll treat myself to a couple of extras and it will feel like a newer car i think it's a tortured argument particularly in an electric car so for example they don't want you to use the heating on electric cars in the winter so they recommend you use the heated seats so i think it's just a means of them as servicing costs go down on electric cars they're they're trying to get claw back that servicing cost in some way shape manner or form and i, I just don't like it i think they should sell you a package Back in the day, if you wanted cruise control, it would be another 150 quid anyway. If you've just spent 30, 40, 50,000 pounds in a car, the sort of nickel and diming you at the, at the top end of that, I think is unacceptable. And I think BMW will lose buyers as a consequence. But this isn't just lecky cars. They're doing this on on fossil fuel cars as well, and they did it on my last one. So I don't think this is just EVs, but I, I do agree. I don't think it's a great look. I mean, the other thing, I, I sent you another link in the week about your car compared to my car on a long trip. And one of the things, this is changing topic entirely, actually, is that it didn't seem to do the automated routing to charging stations that you'd expect. And as a Tesla owner, that just blows my mind. Why wouldn't it navigate itself around to the next charging centre? Yeah, so the video you sent me was quite interesting, actually. So it was a BMW M50, 20 wheels, inch wheels, though, against Tesla Model 3. And how good they each are. And I thought it was quite, quite a fair review. But you're right, I, I, I've never used the in BMW nav, so I, I wouldn't know. And I've never gone far enough where I've needed to recharge. So, so it's probably something that I will worry about one day, but it's not on my radar at the moment. So I haven't seen it in person. And I know Apple Maps now have EV points on them, but I don't know if Apple Maps is clever enough to suggest where you should stop or whether it's just me you can now search for, if that makes sense. Well, the problem is that Apple Maps doesn't know what state of charge your car is in. So if you're trundling along at 70 on the motorway and you're draining fuel fat, draining charge fast, and it, it, like the Tesla will calculate, stop here for 15 minutes and you're going to make it to your journey with this percent of charge left. So, you know, the car software knows that and should know where the charging stations are. Because let's face it, cars have built-in LTE connections and things like that these days. It should be able to calculate that. And the manufacturer, at the very least, should be able to offer it. And no other manufacturers do it. Again, Hyundai, although 
Uh, they don't know about mountains. They don't know how much charge you're going to use going up a mountain or a hill. So they can't calculate it coming back down. At least can calculate you should stop here, you should stop there. So, you know, all the other manufacturers have cracked this. This is a BMW. Why are they not better at this? I've no idea, but I don't use any of the iron drive stuff in my car, so I wouldn't know. I literally just used the screen, and it was the same in my last BMW. I just used the screen, and they do ship good screens, by the way. Anyway, it's mental, and there are moving on to one of my things in a minute, and it's not an EV, it's the, it's the van, so good old cranky diesel, so polluting the environment, but you know, you can get plugins for your ODB port, ODB port, yeah, for your car for about 20 quid, and it'll integrate with things like a better route planner on your phone, so it will know the state of charge, and you can sort of make it all work a little bit more cleverly together. But again... Oh, okay, that's yeah, quite cool. It is quite cool, but, you know, again, the manufacturer should have this built in, but it's nice to have that freedom. Maybe they charge a subscription for access to the ODB port, I don't know. Or it's hidden and you can't get to it. So in the new BMW iX, you can't even open the bonnet on it. You can just pour water into the BMW badge for the screen wash. You can't even open the bonnet to look at the engine. But is there an engine that's or like the motor? Should I say? Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. I mean, there, there isn't anything under my bonnet, and there probably isn't under yours. <laughs> no, mine's rammed. I can't do anything under my bonnet. It's absolutely full of an engine. Because you've got to remember, mine is built on a regular combustible car, so there's no room in my bonnet. It's full of motors and stuff and a big bit of plastic hiding it all. Wow. No, nothing under mine. The motors are on the axles. Anyway, that's enough about that. Just a, a final thought. You talking about wanting CarPlay everywhere. I have an older 2016 VW van and it has an integrated uh, head unit from, from Volkswagen. And I have started looking at can you get CarPlay units to sort of swap that out, a double den unit, uh, sort of standard size fitment to put into the van. And you can. They're about 600 quid from companies like Alpine. They, they are wireless. They will integrate with what's there. You obviously need a specialist installer because I'm not going to ever go with that. But it's, I'm not going to do it anytime soon. But I'm beginning to turn over in the back of my head that that would actually be quite nice to have on the van too. I would definitely do it. I definitely wouldn't do it myself because you. It's always, they're always a nightmare to fit, get all the cables right, and unless you're into that kind of thing, I would, I'd rather just pay somebody to do it and have it done properly. Yeah, it's a job for Halfords or a specialist installer. Yep, so that'll do us for cars, but I think it's quite interesting. And maybe, I'm really curious if you do go on a longer trip on your, in your car, how that works out for you. So, uh, yeah, interesting times. The, the day will come. The day will come. Next bit of follow-ups for me, I think. And I don't think I said it on the show. Again, it's one we I talked about afterwards. By the way, listeners, the show goes on after we stop sometimes. So we can't stop talking about this stuff. So we apologize. About changing broadband. So in the UK, we've got a couple of broadband providers, sort of the well-known telecoms companies and things like that. And I'm with Virgin Media, or currently with Virgin Media, and Chris is with BT Openreach, I think. Yep, just BT. So... What he's got hasn't been available in my area, but the cable provider Virgin Media is, so I can get fairly fast broadband from Virgin Media. Not quite gigabit, but close enough, for which they charge an arm and a leg. Anyway, just a little anecdote that I got a thing through my letterbox 10 days ago saying, fibre internet is now available in your area, so I want a bit of that. A little bit faster, but more importantly, significantly cheaper than what Virgin Media were charging me. But I'm amused by the fact that I think I must be one of the first people in this area to go for it. I have had so much communication from BT about what's happening. Thank you for signing up. We're going to install on this day. Please reply to this text with confirm if you're happy to do so. Confirm. Five minutes later, they ring me. Thanks for signing up. Can you confirm you're happy with this date? Yeah, I have. And I've had the text, and this must have happened six or seven times now. Where I've confirmed that I want that date. Occasionally, they ring me for it. They've dispatched some bit of equipment to the house. Please, it's coming on Royal Mail tracking. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Like Every day, I got another follow-up email from BT, not from Royal Mail. Today it came and like seconds later, thank you for watching out for it. It's been delivered. I think I'm being over-communicated with by this company. 
I hate over-communication. I hate pretty much all communication. Just come and do what you said you're going to do when you said you're going to do it. But it's, I guess it's good and bad because I guess sometimes these companies aren't famed for doing what they said they're going to do. So I guess it's good in a way because like me, when I got fibre to the house, I couldn't believe I was actually getting it. And so I probably wanted more comms because I didn't believe it was going to happen. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I want some communication. I just felt it's overly communicated so we'll see what the rest of the process is like maybe they're gonna be really good now and get worse as time goes on but my, my hopes are high based on this so far so just a little bit of feedback and of course the install is due on thursday so it might be odd to be without internet for a little bit on thursday but i'll follow up on how it compares to virgin media what do you do when there's no internet i think i get my phone and strategically place it in one part of the house and try and connect to that <laughs> phone in the window for a hotspot well I, I, we talked about this, I think, briefly when we were talking about our broadband setups, our sort of our router setups in the house, and Unify Ubiquity will actually sell you a module for 200 quid that you can plug in, and it will get, it will use a SIM card as a failover, should your internet ever cut out, so you can actually have that on, ongoing. I'm not in any great rush to spend 200 quid, I can live without the internet for a couple of hours, frankly. But yeah, I just thought it's, it's interesting, and I don't know what you do without internet. I've got all my meetings planned for the morning, I'll do some offline stuff and some reading in the afternoon, so it should be okay. Fingers crossed. Well, I hope you get it, because Gigabit is awesome. Ten times faster upload speed than I'm currently getting with Virgin Media as well, so that's a significant So you'll be, the same, you'll be the same as me, won't you? Yeah. Gig down 200 and something up, or 100 and something up, I forget exactly what. But... Yeah, so I'm 100, I'm 100 up and a gig down, and it's, it's so good. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. Good. So that's broadband updates coming. The next little bit of follow-up on me was on Apex Legends. I did try I, when I was working on the iPad. I tried to buy a season pass. They charged me $9.99. It didn't work. I thought that might have been my fault running the iPad Beta or something. So I got a shiny new uh, iPad M1 in the last week. So I thought I'll try again. <laughs> tried to buy a season pass. Exactly the same thing happened. Kicked out. Took 10 quid. Didn't appear in, in Apex Legends. So I thought, I wonder if I can get a refund on this and the one that was about a week before. I found the relevant page on apple.com, clicked a couple of boxes, click submit. Nothing happened other than the web page said Your, this request has been recorded. And about six days later, both refunds came back in. No argument at all. Nine and a nine refunded twice. Job's a good one. But you had to go looking for it. And were you under-communicated on this one by the sounds of it? I was under-communicated with on this one for sure. But I'm, I'm happy that the money went back into my account. So all good. And I, my consumer advice, actually, is I, f I figured out what to do. Don't buy it straight on your card. I've got a, you know, a debit card set up on my Apple account, and it's one of these where you have to authorize purchases from, from stores. So you get a little warning. Most European banks do this in some way, shape, manner, or form. So what you do is you put 9.99s worth of points onto your card. So you've got a balance, and then you can it'll work off that, and you don't get the warning that doesn't stop the thing happening. So if you are trying to buy an Apex season pass, make sure you top up your account first. There you go. You live and you learn. <laughs> well, you never know. It could be important consumer advice. And then my last bit of follow-up before we move on to the news is that I still haven't bought a TV. I got derailed looking at a, 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 a third model. So I think I said when I was talking about the what TV to buy, there is a, 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 a LG C1 model, which was two years ago. There's a C2 model, which is this year's model. And they've just released in the last week a G2 model, which is like the super high-end one that's got an even brighter screen, some sort of, I don't know, what, 700 or 800 nits, which is great for an OLED in a, in a light room, which a TV normally is. And it's got a better viewing angle. So I'll put the link, or at least put, I'll put the model number in the show notes as well. But it's the OLED 65G 26LA 
G2. So yeah, Evo. Sorry, it's got Evo in the end as well. It sounds a bit like a Mitsubishi car of some description. But yeah, quite good. Quite impressed with the reviews I've seen on it. Still 120 hertz, still HDMI 2.1, still support the variable refresh rate. So all the stuff that I think uh, yours does, yours is a C1 or similar, I think. So yeah, that's kind of caught my attention. So now I'm swithering again whether I get that or just go for the C1 and the C2. It's tricky, isn't it? Because there's always a new one coming out. And sometimes you just, you've just got to pick your poison, I think. The the only thing I, I got a bit confused with, I think, when I was doing it, is there's so many models that are similar. And I thought, would we actually appreciate a better screen that costs a thousand pounds more? And I don't, I don't know whether you reach a point where it's diminishing returns. You're probably right. I also think I want to have this for the next five, six, seven years. I'm in no great rush to change it again after this. So it's, it's almost like the car thing. If you can absorb a little bit more of it up front, then hopefully you have something better in the long run. So uh, hopefully, as long as it doesn't go wrong. Most vendors now offer a five-year warranty with it as well, so you may as well get as good a TV now as you can. So you're not in three years' time going, oh, what about this one that's got the X, Y, and Z and the 244 hertz or whatever it is. So I think, uh, I think I'm tempted. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I think, yeah, if you're going to do it, you know, get the best you can because you do keep a TV for a long time. It's not like a Mac or a phone where it's you, you keep it for a year, maybe two, and swap it for something else. Yeah, very true. So, yep, that's it for uh, for the TV thoughts. I'll probably be another couple of weeks thinking about it, and there was nothing on Prime Day. So, I think that does. Yeah, agreed. And Prime Day was epically disappointing. I think. As they increasingly are. So, good. Moving on. News and rumours. And the first piece of news is that, unbeknownst to many, although I think it was actually announced in the keynote, is that the multi-stop routing that they announced in, for the betas in Apple Maps is now rolling out across a thing. So, this is where you want to go from A to B, but you actually want to make a point halfway along to C. You can now do that multi-stop routing. This surprised me that it wasn't already in Apple Maps, actually. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't already in Maps, but it's really good. I've used it a couple of times more on the route planning. I haven't actually needed it when I'm driving, but I'm quite looking forward to using it. I, th- I think it looks really good how they've implemented it. Maps has got quite a lot of functionality in it. That I, I think it's not always obvious when you first launch it because it looks very similar to how it's always looked, but they've put loads of stuff into it. Yeah, it's one of those apps that's definitely improving. I think, you know, after all the abuse it got when it first launched for sort of weird things appearing on the map and flat bridges appearing and all the rest of it, and the the routing actually being nowhere as good as, as Google Maps, it's actually quite a good and full-featured product these days. And the routing's pretty good. I think they use TomTom traffic under the, as a back-end still to this day to do a lot of the traffic awareness and things. And lots of people use it. You can tell by all the delays and things that build up and when it tries to reroute you that actually more and more people use Apple Maps. I'm not surprised because obviously it ships with everybody's phone. I think it is really good and it's a bit like No Man's Sky, isn't it? When you know they launched it, it wasn't great, but they've iterated and iterated. And I think it's really good. And I love the quality of the maps, the interface. I think it's awesome. Yep, it's a good product. I'm glad they're making it better. We've talked about it before with the things like the lookup when you come out of tube stations and things like that to give you an idea where you're going. Well done, Apple. I think Google need competition. Open street maps, not cutting it yet in the open source world. Although I do notice a few products use it uh, as well. So I think it's just good to have competition and mapping. We rely on Google for so many things that they, they kind of need this put into them a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. It's I'm not a big Google fan, as you know. So for me, I'm quite happy to see Apple do this. Yep. It's a good one. Last week, we sort of glanced on it as we went by, but the public betas of iOS are out and macOS and iPadOS and watchOS are all out if, if you choose to get them and install them on your devices without being a developer. I don't know what to think about this, really. I think my advice would remain the same as before. Don't install them unless you really, really, really need one one feature that's in them, and I'm not really sure that it's there. 
Yeah, I wouldn't rush. I think the iPhone seems fairly stable, to be fair, although my device does seem to run a bit warm. But then I'm not sure if the login is different on the public betas. Is it turned down so it's not as verbose? And then iPadOS, I would wait a little bit longer yet because if you use Stage Manager, it is pretty buggy. It is awesome, but pretty buggy. Yeah, that sort of reflects what I've seen around the blogosphere as well. And put it this way, on my new iPad, I haven't bothered installing the beta because there's no real feature there that, I, I, you know, unlike you, Stage Manager on the Mac, I tried it for a bit, I've switched it off and I'm not running the beta on my new Mac either, mostly because of our podcast and the problems that was causing. So yeah, I don't think there's any great compelling rush to get the beta. From the sound of it on the iPad, the Stage Manager is what you really want. On the phones, it's continuity camera, but if you've got a decent webcam, that's not a big deal. So I would wait for the final releases and install them. It's not long now. It's probably about two months, isn't it? Yeah, we're sort of rushing through this period, actually. And just to reiterate what you said a minute ago, I kind of jumped over it. On the phone, it's been stable as anything, with the exception of not being able to run a couple of apps. My phone runs fine. I don't think the battery is any worse or better than it was on, on, on the full release of iOS 15. So I'm quite happy with that. But again, don't install it. Yeah, I, I do notice I run out of battery a little bit more frequently. But I'm not sure if that's just because my phone's getting a bit older. But I mean, it's not even two years old yet. So whether it's that I'm just going to battery health as we're talking. And I'm at 86 before. It's okay. I mean, I'm, not, I'm too scared to look. It's not even a year old and it won't be as good as I want it to be. So I'm not going to look. But yeah, it is a factor. I mean, my last iPad was 2019, 2018. I've, I think I've said in the show before, I forget. It was a few years old anyway. And the battery on that was completely hosed. And I just used it normally. I'd charge it up, run it down. I'd be lucky to get, if I just left it on, it would be flat in a day and a half you know, just with doing nothing on it. So the, the batteries do take a hammering. Uh, definitely. And you've got the iPhone 13, the battery was a lot more impressive in that. So they are moving forwards and leaps, leaps and bounds, I think. Yeah, they are. So yeah, I think that'll do it to the public basis. The first few M2 MacBook Air reviews are in. Yeah, and I think they've come in and it's great, actually. The reviews are in and it's pretty much what you'd expect. This machine is awesome. It's a little bit more expensive. Go and buy it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the summary isn't it yeah i think you're you're right if you read somebody like gruber's review which was very long like i will be honest i couldn't it was make good it, it was good i couldn't make it all the way through i think i've become a video consumer as much as anything else now and this this may be a failing of mine i tend to see gruber as too much too positive he doesn't see the negatives in devices quite as much as i'd like him to you know he doesn't feel very balanced which is fine it's john gruber he's an apple fanboy Probably the original Apple fanboy in many ways. But, you know, it looked reasonably comprehensive. Marcus Brownlee hasn't done one yet, I noticed, so that's a shame. Yeah, I noticed that because I'm not a big YouTube person, but I do enjoy his videos on Apple Kit because I think he does a great job. So I'm surprised he's not out yet, but maybe they had delay in shipping the devices or, or, or well, I don't know, but it's odd for him not to be there. But no, my, my take on it is it looks a cracking machine it's a bit thinner i did actually do and i did mess you about this i did a price comparison between the air and the pro and if you bought a two terabyte no sorry a one terabyte air or when one terabyte pro with 16 gig of ram there's only 100 pounds difference in it and i think the pro is the better buy because you get a lot more laptop yes it's a bit heavier you get slightly more screen but you get a much better screen with promotion on it and yeah you're getting the next the the older chip in the pro but you're getting the pro version of the chip rather than just just the bog standard one so i still think the pro is probably the better buy but for most people the air will be a cracking bit of kit yeah i think so i mean the, for me you want to look a middle spec macbook here you don't want the one with the least storage don't want the one with the least ram 
So you want 16 gigs of RAM. Two, two, two five, six is not enough. No, it's not enough. You need 512 and 16 gigs of RAM, and then it's a good machine. There are, again, some of these reviews are appearing talking about throttling with the M2, tri- M2 chip, sort of running at 108 degrees C when you sort of really push it for more than 10 minutes and things like that. I think in real-world use cases, pros aren't going to buy a constrained machine like a MacBook Air. They're going to buy, a, you know, as you say, they're going to buy a MacBook Pro with 14-inch, 16-inch fans, and it's all spec'd out to do the things that you'd expect. So I, I, I feel it's a bit of a harsh criticism going for consumer or prosumer laptops and expecting them to have these kinds of outputs, really, without a bit of throttling. It doesn't have a fan in the thing. Yeah, and this is a consumer laptop. This is their consumer laptop, like massively. It, I know it's in the middle because they've still sent the other air, but once the other air falls off, this is their consumer device. If my wife was in the market for a new laptop, I'd be buying one of these. I think it's, it looks great. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's a good machine. You shouldn't hesitate to buy one. I wouldn't have said I wouldn't worry about this throttling thing, particularly being part of it. We know how good the M1 chips are. I, you know, I, I don't. I can't believe that the M2s are any worse. Particularly, these sustained workloads aren't. Again, they're not consumer workloads, so it's not going to be a problem. No, I, I agree. And do you think we're ever going to see a fan in an iPad? <laughs> I hope not. It's they haven't had one. Oh, I hope not too. But you know, just you know, they, they're starting to go that way though with what you can do with the device. And I just wondered, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe the day they release Final Cut Pro for the iPad, maybe then you'll see a fan in one, but I'd be surprised. I, I just, a quick spoiler, I'm not going to re- give a review of the M1 iPad Pro, but if I didn't know there was an M1 in it, the screen's very pretty, but I, I, I genuinely can't tell that much of a difference from the iPad I had before and this one. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Because it does, it's a shame it's got the same industrial design, which was awesome when it came out, but it's three generations old and four and a half years, I guess. But it is hard to know if you if you didn't know what you're looking for. You can download an app called Usage, which is available on the Mac as well, and it does tell you how much RAM you've got and, and what it's doing. Yeah, fair enough. It, it runs but Apex. You're right. You, you still wouldn't know. <laughs> it runs Apex Legends very nicely. Anyway, that's that's good. I, I downloaded all the Ultra HD te- textures. The best thing about it actually is I've got more storage now, so I can download a load of, a load of stuff on it. So that's good. No, that is good. And I certainly found that when you're switching between apps a lot, which I do, and having the 16 gig of RAM was massive benefit. Just huge. You could just go in and out of things like Outlook or powerpoint or the or safari and it's not going oh i've forgotten what i was doing i'll just reload it kind of thing yeah no it's, it's a good device as well made the speakers are really good i gotta say i think they're even better than the, the the ones i had on my my older ones so yeah there are definitely pros to it for sure but anyway to finish this off in the m2 don't worry about the throttling buy one buy one in midnight if you can live with the fingerprints i think it looks by far the nicest one and just sort of a comment on on marquez brownlee not having released thing i have noticed with his last few videos he's taken a little more time to sort of use them before they come out you know so he gives a sort of slightly more considered review than just trying to be the first one out there so i think that's quite a good thing I wonder if that's because there's lots of people doing the hot takes, as it were, whether he's now trying to, now he's got a good following, maybe, and he knows people will wait for him. It's kind of like Federico Fittici with his iOS, iPadOS review. He couldn't launch on day one once. And he said, you know what, actually, I'm going to go get it how I want it and release it when it's ready. And he said it didn't actually impact his his readership because people knew it was coming and, and they'd wait a few days for it. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad place to be once you're of a particular size. And if you're going for that quality thing, which Marquez and and Federico both have, Marquez is very evident in the video that he makes. The high standards of quality, the transitions, the graphics he puts in, the time and consideration he takes in his his review points. 
I'd be happy to wait a couple of days and get a more thoughtful one run. As you say, the hot take, which is a bit redundant sometimes because they just want that clickbait. They want the one thing that, you know, I was the first one there and I found the throttling or I found the battery issue or I found antenna gate, whatever it might be, is what sort of the shock they're going for at that end. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'd like to watch his video, but I'll wait a few more days if it's going to take him a little bit longer to get out. There's no point in busting a gut. Yeah, you're going to watch it when it's there, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Good. Moving along, Apple are actually removing some games from the Apple Arcade subscription. Did you see this one? I did see it, and I thought, I swear this was never a thing, but now is a thing. So I find it a bit weird that it's come out, but in typical Apple fashion, they haven't told anybody about it. People have just found out about it. So yeah. It's a bit bizarre. I just assumed you got things on Apple Arcade and be there forever. I mean, I'm going to read out a couple of the games on, 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 on the left-hand side of the list that we'll link to in the show notes. And have you played any of them? Projection First Light, Life Slide, Various Day Life, Earth Night, Atone, Heart of the Elder Tree, Over the Alps, Dreadnautical, and Card Apocalypse. Any of those? I won't miss any of those that you just <laughs> mentioned. But my kids do play quite a few Apple Arcade games because often they go, Dad, I want something to play on my iPad. And I send them to the arcade tab because I'm like, well, you can get stuff there and it won't nickel and dime me and it's all included. So... I feel a bit cheesed off now because they, they dip in and out of games and then they, they go back to one six months later. So I'm a bit mixed on this. I didn't see this coming, but no. I'm not surprised. No, I didn't see it coming either. And I don't see the harm in the maintaining a big library unless they're just trying to keep that sort of curated quality up. But that's more taken out than they've added in in the last few, you know, certainly the few weeks as far as I'm aware. So I wonder if it sets a precedent. Are you going to start to see the sort of the bigger name ones that have done well for them, like Grindstone and Sping that I've talked about before here, vanish because they're not for some reason? <laughs> well, you're the only one. That, no, I, yeah, threes would be a problem too. But lots of people play threes. I just wonder if this is a, they look at the usage metrics of them and they go, nobody plays these, get rid of them. Or is there something more? Yeah, maybe, and they have been criticised before for not clearing out the app store of stuff that nobody's playing or using. So maybe, maybe they must know about it or whether it was just a licensing deal, who knows. But what happens if you've got a saved game or it's a game like you're dipping and out of all the time? So I, I don't know. I, I think they should be more clear about how long things are. Like when, you're, when you download it, you should say this game will be here for, I don't know, two years or until this date. I mean, things leave Xbox Game Pass as well. But I think Microsoft are fairly upfront about that. They give you plenty of warning. They do it all the time. They curate the picks that are available there. Maybe they won't stop paying those developers for some reason, X, Y, or Z. This may be similar, but it's a bit opaque. Like you say, it's, it's annoying that they do it without sort of indicating why or that this was going to happen at all. Yeah, agreed. I, I just find this one a bit baffling, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, it could be a licensing thing. Maybe maybe the developers actually aren't making enough money from it, want to pull out of the sharing agreement and won't start selling the game separately on the App Store. You don't know. Yeah, there could be like a clause in the contract, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. None of the games we play, but I'm sure somebody somewhere will be very upset that they're leaving the stores. Although I guess they'll probably remain on their devices for a little while. They're not just going to inactivate them. Well, I, I think we have to find out, but I did see somewhere that they would be unplayable. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we shall see. We'll have to keep watch this space. So, last story for the news, and no rumours this week, you know. It's, again, it's, it's that funny summer season where it all goes a bit quiet is that, and this is the Epic Trial, which if you remember, the Epic Trial is uh, involving Fortnite. Epic Games felt that they wanted to have their own separate app store so players could buy their own in-game currency and horse armor and all that good stuff in the game. Apple, of course, want you to make all the purchases via the store. So Fortnite threatened to pull out. Apple actually didn't just 
let them pull out. They banned them all together and revoked all their developer certificates. So you don't get Fortnite on the App Store. You don't get Fortnite on the Mac. You don't get Fortnite at all on the Apple platforms at the moment. You can still get it on PC. And a similar case happened in Android, although it's all gone a bit quiet over there with Google. I don't know how that's progressing. But that's all to sum up to say that the, there is a final filing in the ongoing Apple v Epic legal battle in the United States Court of Appeals, uh, with both Apple and Epic Games choosing to appeal the original ruling, which Epic, Apple won all of apart from one thing, and Apple weren't happy about losing the one thing. <laughs> so both of them appealed that, so it's just that it will go on. It's, the, trial, the trial is ongoing, effectively. So we shall see what happens next. So my son wants to play Fortnite, because he's playing it at a friend's house. And actually, if it was on the iPad, I'd rather have it on his iPad rather than on the PlayStation. But it looks like it's going to be iPad only. Um, iPad, PlayStation only, apologies. PlayStation only or Xbox only. You can get it on that and you can play it on PC. So, I mean, you could reboot a Mac in the house and potentially put Fortnite on there. But your Apple gaming performance on your MacBook Air is not likely to be optimal. So, yeah, PlayStation. It looks like it is PlayStation, so I'll have to install it for him at some point. It is free to play. It's just that uh, you'll very quickly find that they ask for a bit of money for the horse armor, for the nice skin of the day or the season pass or whatever it is. I don't mind buying for a game. It's just I don't want to be nickel and dime for it every five minutes. So we do have Rocket League as well, which was a game free to download. I was prepared to pay for it. And I was like, oh, it's free. And again, he'd heard about it from some friends at school. He's had loads of entertainment out of it, so... Yeah, he seems quite happy with those sorts of games. So we will try it and report back how we go. Yeah, I mean, this is the model, isn't it? I mean, I've talked about Call of Duty Warzone before. It's free to play with, you know, you buy the season pass. Apex Legends is free to play. You buy the season pass. Player Unknown's Battleground, same. All these are Battle Royale games, as is Fortnite. So these kinds of things, they, they arrive free to play, but they want you to get the sort of in-game currency. And uh, often it gives you boosts to get things done more quickly, but a lot of the time it's just a cosmetic. So you don't need it to keep playing yeah, but kids want things, don't they? They do. It's quite a clever way, and this isn't in the show, and it's, I haven't got a link to it to hand, but there was a piece in the news recently about the government in this country trying to do something about loot boxes in games, which are you get a certain amount free, but if you paid, the Battlefield games and the EA games are particularly well known for this. You know, you'd get those cosmetics, or you'd get a better gun, or you'd get the sights for your gun, or whatever it would be that would be the in-game thing. And the UK government is looking into loot boxes as part of that. And they haven't made a decision yet, but I think one is coming soon. Because that kind of thing, where you actually can't make progress in the game, unlike these more free-to-play things, it is quite egregious, really. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. That would that would end my relationship with that company pretty quickly, I'm sure. Is it Electronic Arts by any chance that are doing it? I, I think it is. But if you look at the recent iOS game, Diablo Immortal... I'm sure I read somewhere yep. that if you were to buy all the in-app purchases and that, you're in tens of thousands of pounds territory. It's not just a small amount of money. It's a large amount of money by the time you get onto it. And that's unacceptable. I used to love Blizzard games, but I fear they've, they've gone the way. They've gone the EA way. Yeah, I think they've been bought by Microsoft now, haven't they, Blizzard? We've talked about that in this show. Uh, Blizzard's owned by Activision. Activision's being bought by Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. So... Things may change there, I'm sure. Yeah, and I do like that Blizzard did go back and do some remasters. They'd remastered StarCraft 1 really well, and it was clearly somebody's labour of love, and they've done it on a couple of games like Diablo and stuff. So I do like it when they do a little bit of that, and it shows they care, but then some of the other stuff you hear they do, it's a bit disappointing. Yep. Fair enough. We've kind of strayed into gaming there a little bit, but I think we can call yeah, that... Sorry. That's No, no, it's my fault to you talking about various bits and pieces, so no, it's interesting. I think that'll do us for news and rumours. Moving along, media.
Yeah, I don't think I've got anything to add on media. It's all you this week. It's all me. Okay, well, I just got a little bit of feedback. I caught up on For All Mankind when I got back from holiday. The new episode came out on Friday, and it's still awesome. They're really knocking it out of the park this season. It's it's really a neck and neck with me with Ted Lasso for being the best thing on Apple TV+. For All Mankind is just excellent. They're very different, I'd say. I've gone back and watched Ted Lasso quite a bit. I'm not sure how much I'd rush to go back to For All Mankind. I love it. I think it's good. And, it's, and I did make me go and watch the Apollo 11 documentary film. The quality of that is amazing. Yeah. So I did go and watch that at the weekend. That's probably the one bit of media I have consumed. <laughs> you watched it again. I'm sure you've mentioned that a couple of times now. So it must be really good. I just It just messed with my mind that a film in the 60s can look so amazing on a 4K screen. And it just blows my mind. Some of the, the engineering that went in and obviously all the science and that went into launching a rocket. And you watch this rocket launch from Kennedy Space Center. It just, and you know it's not CGI. It just doesn't look right, if you know what I mean. It's just, I think it's amazing. Fair enough. I must make the effort to go and watch it. So yeah, for all my counsel, awesome. The next thing I thought I'd mention that is coming soon to Amazon is the new Lord of the Rings show, which is Lord of the Rings Rings of Power. They released a two-minute 30 trailer, which I'll try and remember to put in the show notes. Looks really interesting. The only character I recognize from it is Galadriel, not the same actress that's in the films. But yeah, the, Good job so far, Amazon. Looks very authentic. Looks very like the films. Stirring soundtrack. Just impressive two minutes of video. Really. I hope it is good. I'm interested to see what they do with this universe because there's a lot, like with Star Wars, there is a lot you can do with this universe. So it'd be good to see what the, what they do. How, I know they're going to try and exploit it. I hope they do a good job. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, good. I didn't recognize any of the cast either, particularly maybe there is somebody super famous who hasn't let out at me yet, but it's good and it's a sort of prequel type thing. It's set in the age before the one we're used to in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, so I agree with you. It's, there's a lot of, of lore in that universe. It'd be interesting to know a bit more about it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it'll be good. I haven't seen the trailer, so that's my homework. I'll try and watch that before next week. You should be able to manage two minutes of trailer. We can, we can, we can do that. And my last bit is our media follow-up, is because I've been busy this week as well. I've been, I've been busy a few, few days at work, is that I watched The Sixth Sense with my younger daughter last night. She likes a horror film. I said it's not a horror film as such. It's more of a sort of suspenseful film with, with other things going on in it. Do you remember The Sixth Sense? Did you watch it? I do. I wouldn't call it a horror film because I won't really watch a horror film, but I would watch that. Yeah, it's only the second time I watched it. I watched it the first time when it came out. I may have watched it in the cinema even when it came out and was... Can you give spoilers for a film that's that, that old? I won't give any spoilers, but I'll just say there's a bit of a twist in it, I think it's fair to say. Everybody knows there's a twist in it. There's a, there is a twist in it, and I think Emily knew there was a twist in it, but she didn't know what the twist was. She watched it. She was impressed. She said, that may be the greatest film I've ever seen, briefly, so she'll become obsessed with that again for a while. I just thought, wow. yeah, it's really good for a film that age. And she quite likes Bruce Willis. I made her, I sat in and made her watch Die Hard a few years back, and she thinks that's a great film too. So I think she was sort of predisposed to liking it anyway. And then, you know, it had all sorts of elements in it. I thought it'd be a bit slow for her. For example, she likes the new version of It, and It 2, and all those sort of films. So she likes a horror film. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed The Sixth Sense. And I, 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 watching it again for a second time, knowing what was coming, it stands up for a film of its age, i got to say. Yeah, maybe I need to see that again. Like you, I probably haven't seen it since it came out. I went to the cinema, I remember going. So yeah, I'll put that on the list as well. Put it on the list as well. Maybe don't watch it with your kids, though. I think it might do them a trauma. They are a bit young. They're a little bit young. A little bit young. So it has made me think of one thing, as I might watch Seven with her, because if that's the kind of thing she likes, that sort of more psychological drama, fear thing, I think Seven will be right up there for her. 
I do like Seven. I'm a big David Fincher fan. I think Seven's really good. What a cast in, in Seven as well. So yeah. I fully support that decision. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and unfortunately Kevin Spacey. But I, I've reconciled in my head that it doesn't affect the work that he was in for whatever legal matters and horrific things he may have done that he's facing in this country in the United States. But, you know, the actual work, that and The Usual Suspects are, are remarkable films. So, uh, you know, oh, and LA, uh, LA Confidential is another one that's, that's excellent as well. He's done some awesome films. Did you ever watch Baby Driver? Yes. I quite like that film. Well. Because it, it's directed by... Edgar Wright. Oh, the guy who did Hot... Edgar Wright, thank you. And I really enjoyed that film. And that film came out literally as... Kevin Spacey departed the public sphere. I love a lot of his films. I do think he's done some amazing films, but like you, I try and disassociate him from his his personal persona from the actual films because he's done some cracking stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's tricky, isn't it? Well, it's hard on everybody else involved. If you look at the talent in something like Seven, you know, or the usual suspects and the actors he's on with, and the directors he's worked with, and the quality of the scripts and the sound and the editing and the yada 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 yada, you know. It's not him. There's the film. There's more to it. More to a film than just one actor who may be bad or two actors that may be bad. Or, as we all know, unfortunately, producers that are fairly evil people as well. So, I, you know, the quality of the works what got stand out there, and, and I think in that case it will. So I'm quite looking forward to watching Seven. Whether is is sort of the be all and end all and summary of what I want to say. I would definitely watch Seven. That's such a good film. If she likes a, a grim horror film, I think that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's got to be up there, doesn't it? Good. Okay, that'll do us for media, and onto a very short game section. I think it's going to be a shorter show altogether this week. After a, a couple of, well, the last couple have been well over an hour, so it'd be nice to have a shorter one for everybody listening. I'm sure. It's too hot for a long show. It's too hot for a long show. It's probably too hot to listen for to a long show. So, just a little bit of follow up on my Steam Deck. Really, I don't think we've got much else going on in games this week, and a little bit of its homework. I thought I'd just talk a few sentences on the games I've been playing, really, and sort of a little bit of exploration. So, I downloaded the first Dirt. I think we're up to Dirt Four, Dirt Five now. The Codemasters game, Five. So, five. I, I looked, and Dirt, the first one, was sixty gigs, which for a game that age, I can't quite believe. What, Dirt 1? Dirt 1 was 60 gigs. They must have done something since that was released, because it could have been 60 gigs like 15 years ago. I think it, well, I don't know. These things get, textures get bigger and all that kind of stuff, don't they? So I downloaded it. It fits quite neatly on my Steam Deck, thankfully. It holds up. It's good. Yeah, it's nice to have a rally game. It's, that kind of game is absolutely perfect for the handheld format. I think it was 2014 was the last time I played it, according to my Steam Cloud save game. So it just picked up on the rally I was on somewhere in Greece, and off I went my Mini Cooper hurtling down the track. It worked really well. That is mad that eight years ago you played this game and you just picked it up and just carried on as if eight years hadn't elapsed. So it's, it's brilliant. It's crazy, isn't it? No, really good. Very impressed. I don't know what the frame rate was. I think the mass, maximum frame rate you can get on the Steam Deck is 60 frames per second, and they recommend 40 for sort of ample battery life. But it, to my eye, it looked great. You know, it really did. You'll get your turn into me playing retro games on handheld devices. Well, yeah, I might touch on that in a little minute as well. So that was dirt. And then, as we talked last week, I was saying it, the Steam Deck probably wouldn't be ideal for a couple of styles of game, one of which would be your real-time strategy, uh, and one of which would be something like a 4X game, something like Civilization. So I thought I'd try them both. So Civilization 6 first. The map's quite zoomed in, I gotta say, when you start it. Did 
when I was launching it, showed me a shortcut that I didn't know existed. So if you press the Steam button and left one, it will actually zoom in on that section of the screen. So if you can't read the bit of text or you can't make out the unit that's there, it just gives you an instant magnifier on the screen. You can select what's going on, you can read the bit of text, you let go of the buttons, you can actually control you know, the mouse or whatever it is that's within that zoomed in section of the screen while you're zoomed in as well. So it's just a very quick, easy shortcut to get on and see what's doing. It's no hold up at all for that style of game. That's kind of cool. That's like ability on the iPhone kind of thing. You've got zoomability. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's a good way of putting it, actually. So Civilization VI was no problem. The performance was excellent. You have got on the right-hand side of it, like the mouse pad thing that you were frowning when I was trying to explain explain it last week. But it is it is effectively a, a mouse trackpad in miniature. Quite well calibrated to your thumb. And I was zipping her in Civilization VI. You know, I had multiple units on the go, loads of cities. I was able to work my way through menus and everything. It worked really well. Using a little bit of zoom in with my increasingly poor eyes, I managed to play a game into the medieval age. So, you know, not bad. Yeah, Civ Six is a game I do have on the Switch, but I barely played it. I picked it up in a sale and I should go back to it because it's the kind of game I really enjoy. But I just... Uh, I need to go back to it. Yeah, great for They've obviously got a form of making it work on a handheld, though. Yeah, I know you can, it'll work on an iPhone if you're d- desperate enough. I, that, that's a, a form factor that I definitely think you want a lot of zooming on. It's quite good on the iPad. I played it on flights a few times on my, on my previous uh, generation iPad. Quite expensive, though. It was like 30 or 40 quid, I think, to buy on the iPad. I don't mind paying the money if it's a good version of the game to get if you know what i mean oh i'm with you a triple a game i'm almost happy to pay the money because i want to support that kind of thing but again my purchase on steam of civ 6 how many years ago now five six years ago now is still bearing dividends where i can you know i can just download it and play it on my steam deck so i'm really impressed with that apparently i own civilization 6 on the ipad there you go. Who knew? There you go. You'll have to try it on the train next time. That'll make your M1 sing. And then the last thing I thought I'd follow up on was Command & Conquer Red Alert. I know it's a personal favourite of yours and your children's. So I thought I'd have a go to see if it was playable. Yep, it's playable. It's a little bit difficult. I will be honest with the on-screen controls, but you can draw boxes around units and select them and right-click on them to send them off to do things. I did the first two missions just to see if I could do it. So I took Tanya and I blew up the power station and I rescued Einstein. If you're a fan of Command & Conquer Red Alert, that's, that's fairly close to your heart, I'm sure. Yeah, worked fine. Absolutely fine. We love Command & Conquer in our house. My eight-year-old was playing it just as I came down to record this with you. He's loving the, the levels, building a base, just everything that I loved about the game when I was his age. I'm a little curious on this because a, a friend at work was saying, oh, you know, we could have a do a game at work, have a multiplayer game. I thought, oh, do I want to lug my 17-inch laptop in? And I was like, oh, I could get a Steam Deck and then just just take that in and just plug it in because we've all got USB docks at work. So, you know, because you just dock it and you've got keyboard, mouse and a nice monitor. So I'm I'm a little interested in the Steam. Whether I will order one is another question. So that's a perfect segue that I tried the next thing for me, which is what happens if you do plug it into? So I plugged it into this exact setup I've got here with my, my widescreen Philips monitor. It's plugged into a speed dock in the back of it into which I've got a Logitech keyboard and a gaming mouse, actually. One cable into the top of the Steam Deck it came on in an extended mode, uh, sorry, the, sort of the, the Steam mode on the 34-inch screen. So it supported the 34-inch screen at the box. I could still use the controls on the device to sort of navigate around the menus. And then you hold down the button for a minute on top and you say enter desktop mode and you have Linux. Extended Linux running over. So the Steam Deck had the start menu and all that kind of stuff, 
with the desktop extended to the right onto my 34-inch monitor. But onto that 34-inch monitor, I had Firefox running in with multiple tabs off to one side. I could have, I can download software. It uses Arch Linux underneath it all, so you could use Pac-Man and get additional packages and things. So I installed Microsoft Edge, because my next plan is I'm going to install Xbox Live Arcade on it. I'm going to do game streaming for my Xbox onto it, and you can install that into the Steam Store as well. And I installed EmuDeck, which will give me 15 emulators, I think. So I'm going to be able to run Switch and 64 PlayStation 3. It'll run PlayStation 3 games on, on it. So I'm going to install some ROMs for games I own, of course, and see how that goes. Wow. Okay. So it is quite a flexible piece of kit, isn't it? It's really interesting. Unlike like a first-party console like by Sony or Xbox, you can actually do quite a bit with it. You can do quite a bit with it. And I was thinking, in a push, you could almost use it as a laptop. If you know you're going somewhere with a USB-C support on the, on the monitor, that's a browser and a web processor. You know, you could almost use it as a laptop. That's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. You're not helping me not buy one. Well, I think for four quid deposit down, you know, you're not going to get one for a year. They're so supply constrained. Go for it. you get got nothing to lose. Just loading the website. <laughs> there we go. As usual, I'm a bad influence. Yeah, so that's my follow-up on games, really. And I think we could probably call that that there and we could move on to a very short main show. Fun. Good stuff. So we haven't got that many topics because I think, as with all technology podcasts in the summer, things get an awful lot quieter and we've, we've covered quite a lot of things recently. But I thought it might be worth just a little think about HomeKit again. And I know we've talked about our sort of disappointment with it and our hope that the new version of HomeKit will run quite well with things like Matter coming along. But for me, I've got a few HomeKit devices. So I've got bulbs mostly and I've got my garage door opener. And through Homebridge, I've got my old Nest central heating thing and a couple of the things attached to it too and some smoke alarms. So I've got a reasonably diverse home kit setup. What have you got? So in our house, what have we got? We've got a bunch of plugs, the Eve home plugs, littered around in many rooms. So you can just turn on the side lights with your phone. We've got my blinds in my shed. What have we got? I think that's largely it. Oh, and doorbell. Sorry, I ruined the doorbell isn't on HomeKit, but I would love to buy a HomeKit doorbell. I've been waiting for the Logitech Circle View to come out in this country, but for whatever reason, it's not out here. And I've got a Logitech Circle View camera on my shed. It's more as a security camera, which records when it detects motion. So that's largely it. So we haven't got too much. I've kind of stalled a little bit because I was waiting for Matter. And I thought, let's not rush and buy a bunch of stuff that may not work with Matter. So curious to see where Matter goes. Yeah, I've just you've as you were talking about security cameras there on my homebridge, I've got my Unify security cameras into HomeKit as well. So with a bit of sort of bodging, I've managed to get a fair bit in there. But there was a product that I'll link to in the show notes that came out this week that I just thought that's really cool. Why don't we get more cool products like this? You know, as they appear. And this one is some sort of driver you can stick on most curtain racks, and it will turn your curtain rack into a home curtain rail into a HomeKit compatible device. So if you want to open the curtains somewhere in your house, you could do that. I, I, and I, that's quite cool, actually. I'd never thought that you could get those kinds of devices, really, and sort of fit them on. Because are the blinds you've got, are the IKEA ones where they're sort of controlled by an IKEA device, or is it some other manufacturer you've got? No, no, they are IKEA blinds, and you buy something with a funny IKEA name, a little round hub, and then it links everything over to HomeKit, which I use all the time. So when I'm walking down here, I just go to my watch, open studio, and the blinds all open up. And then when I knock off at the end of the day, I go close studio and it shuts everything. So they've been super reliable, really good. I do kind of like HomeKit. I do wonder if we've got like a big wave of HomeKit slash Matter stuff to come because I reckon we're 
you've had two years of uh, matter not actually launching but has been announced whether people have been working towards that standard and then haven't launched anything because they're waiting for it to actually go live because they don't want to do legacy stuff because it has been quite a stagnant market so i do think we're, we're we've got some stuff in you know to come i do want to get the garage door opener that you've got actually now we've done a bit of work on the house because i kind of think that's a great way that i can always get into my house you know because i can just go into the garage so it'd be a great way of if i've got a key or for whatever reason being knocked out i can open the get the garage door so i'm keen to do that i've just held off slightly whilst we were sorting out the garage no that's been one of the best things i've bought for HomeKit actually in the sense that it was 32 quid it was compatible with HomeKit immediately it paired instantly we've talked about our troubles with pairing HomeKit devices before now but it paired instantly and it works every single time it's never left my garage door in a state that i'm i'm unclear about what's going on little things like you can set within it overtime warnings so if it's left open for more than 15 minutes it'll warn you are you sure you want the garage door to be open you know, it'll tell you what state it's in, whether it's open or closed. And, you know, it was quite a cheap device to quite an expensive garage door thing. But sort of the ability that it's given is, is just fantastic. And I keep thinking, that's great. I want the next thing like that, really. The rest of it's all very logical. The cameras get built in or the doorbell gets built in or your lights work off it. Although none of them quite as well as their own apps, i got to say. That's another thing HomeKit needs to come along with. But I just want to see those sort of cool integrations, really. Like, give me a reason for putting a thermometer outside you know that it can today is not the day you want this but it can predict based on the weather that's coming on that right i need to turn the heating on at this time because the nest thermometer from google promised it would do that but never did very well basically it would just leave your heating on all the time so i i want i'm ready for that smarter integration i want it to notice when i'm coming home and i'm opening the garage door that okay i need to turn on this light that light the other light i wanted to look at my calendar and go oh he's on holiday great so the curtains need to open and shut at these times these lights are going to come on you know at random to make it look you know that all these things are happening why aren't these things a little bit smarter and these things like this ridiculous curtain pillar you know i want to see more stuff like that i want to see you know the contact things for windows so it alerts you if they're open or closed all that kind of stuff needs to happen a bit more in this ecosystem make it a bit more vibrant so i kind of agree with you because i was thinking about this with my blinds so should i set a workflow that opens my blinds every day and i was like well, sometimes i'm doing different different days could i set something up that when the camera sees me it opens the blinds so i don't always want the blinds to open when i walk past the shed so it's quite hard sometimes to do some of the workflows when your intent is different if you know what i mean and i haven't quite worked out any workflows that i'm really keen on one thing i was looking at was putting the um, nfc tags above like the door in the in the studio so that when you leave you could just put your phone in front of it rather than having to talk to siri and siri obviously not get it right and then do the same on the door on the way in so but i just haven't got around to setting them up but but i should do that because i think that for me that would, that would be the better way rather than the automation i still need to have a form of trigger but just remove that i don't need to use my voice if that makes sense yeah but again it knows your phone your phone's got nfc on it you know, you should be able to tap your phone against it. You know, you should, or or you, know, you can with the NFC triggers. You can do that. You right. just tap your phone on it. Well, there you go. Instead but, of speaking to Siri and yeah. say Siri getting it wrong. But again, you want to be able to geofence it, don't you? It should know by I don't know the proximity of your phone to the NFC trigger, or you know, to the fact you're moving down the garden, you know, within your Wi-Fi zone. That, that, that something is happening you're moving towards the shed i should predict that and i should you know i just wanted to alter this stuff to be smarter really we've got the technology but it seems deliberately dumb in many ways setting up automations that you're talking about shouldn't be that hard you know it should be simple enough to build the blocks and there's tools like if this if this then that 
beyond sort of workflows that, that, that let you do this stuff. But I think it's all still far too difficult. And there needs to be an improvement, not only in the devices, but in the smarts in this stuff as well. Because you're right, it's a stagnant market. Amazon, who had a lead, have lost it. Google, who had more of a lead, lost it. So, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really, really gone stagnant for the last two years because the plugs I bought years ago, they're still the ones on sale now for the same amount of money. Obviously, the blinds have been more of a recent addition from Ikea, but I haven't seen really anything in the space. It's like, yes, that's the killer thing I want. And like I said, I don't think it is smart enough. And sometimes when it's got to go up to the cloud to go, Chris has asked to turn the lights on. Shall we turn the lights on? And then, it, you know, so I can't just do it. Like, the, you know, the plug's right there. So I'm curious to see where Matter goes because hasn't Matter got thread in it, if I remember correctly, because the HomePod Minis have got this thread thing in it. So I wonder whether there's some shoes to drop around, around all this thread stuff and being uh, you know close to things on the network and that so i'm interested to see what that brings yeah but i think there's a i agree with you it would be great if it brought something my worry is we, you know we've got this technology which is you know there's the, we've got a whole automation technology for a few years now and we're talking about the next thing matter or thread or whatever the next things and i don't really know what all that means they, they haven't done a great job in selling to me oh it's got this new radio in it that's going to let you do x y and z oh, we're just sort of in potential for the next thing that comes along they're they're not leveraging the existing stuff well enough because they're waiting for the promise of the future and, and we've said a few times on this show you should never buy a device on what it's gonna do you know so it, there's 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 something wrong in this ecosystem that it's not working well enough now it's okay don't get me wrong i, I like my lights and stuff the way they are and the cameras but i'm interested and i'm bodging it together i just worry if this is sort of another false dawn for this that, that, that oh yeah now it's going to do the thing that we said it would do five years ago six years ago yeah, I think you're there. It was a bit of a false start, wasn't it? And very fragmented, where you had this will work with Alexa, this will work with whatever Google do, this will work with HomeKit. And you always pay more for the HomeKit stuff. And then if you didn't buy the HomeKit one, you had to have separate apps. I'm hoping this is going to start bringing all that together, he says. But am I hoping too much? I don't know. Yeah, I and mean, what's the dream? You buy your Christmas tree that's got the stuff built onto it, and it just knows what you've got in the house, be it Amazon's thing or Google's thing or Apple's thing, and it just appears on your smartphone after you press a button to pair the two of them together or whatever it is, and it knows that your lights are on at this, and it knows you're coming down the stairs to switch on your Christmas tree lights or whatever it is. Whatever that is, that should just be more seamless to me. They've made it far too difficult, far too nerdy, far too geeky, and it just needs a bit of sorting out. No, I don't, I don't disagree, and I've certainly seen the frustration with the with the family of why doesn't it work why why does it take so long for the lights to come on why have i got to turn on my ipad to turn the lights on and stuff so you, you kind of get a balance right i do wonder whether companies like lutron cassette have got it right where you can have a switch on the wall and you know say if you if your parents around they can turn on the light switch with their finger and touch the switch like you normally would but if you're there and you want to do something fancy on your apple device you can if, you, if that makes sense so you've got that manual piece if you want it and then you've got the the techie bit for people like you and me always rely on a button is that what we're saying yeah basically i do wonder though are we gonna you know i don't know a year from now have a matter show where actually whoa all this cool stuff's come out and matter solved all our problems i don't know well, so all right. So there, there's some long-term homework. We need to think of a way to store that for longer. Yeah. If we make it to a year's worth of podcasts or a year and a half's worth of podcasts, what will the state of the nation be then? So uh, that's one for the show notes. And I, I do kind of, from someone who's got a bit of Apple gear, I do quite like that Matter stuff seems to be built around HomeKit. So I wonder, will there be some firmware out to make your stuff more Matter compliant? I don't know. I wonder, how, or are you going to be upsold? 
well, maybe this is the next HomePod. It'll be your home hub for this kind of stuff, and it'll come with the promise of new integrations as well as a screen. We'll see. I'm curious. I'd love to see Apple do, you know, like a keynote for 45 minutes just on home home stuff, like stuff they've released and stuff they're doing with partners. Well, this is the thing, though. It's the partners they rely on, and I think that was the downfall of many HomeKit devices. Was it was slow? You needed the you know, the made for made for HomeKit sort of badge on it initially before it became software, and the partners are dragged in all directions. And hopefully, once you've got a standard between the sort of the major players in the market, Lutron, Caseda, and Google, and Amazon, and and, and Apple, that, that they can sort of push forward a little bit. But it's just well, I guess we'll see. Like you say, let's come back in a year and see where we are and see if things have improved. Yeah. I... Hoping we're on the precipice of something big, but then I also fear that with the su- supply constraints, that well, there was going to be something big, but now we can't build everything. Or have they already built everything and it's just been sat in a warehouse for years? Yeah, if you can't get microchips for your car and they can't fit your heated seats without a subscription, what are the chances <laughs> of us getting that in a in a little thing to and in, built into our our curtain rails? I don't know. I do. I'd like the idea of the curtain rail one. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really appealed to me, that one. So one sort of fairly minor mini topic to finish on. How are you finding working with hot computers? You, this is one where I was a bit jealous of your iPad lifestyle, is that you don't have things pumping out heat, are you? Yeah, so in my shed where I generally work, where I haven't got air con, I've got my iPad, which can get a little warm, but doesn't have a fan. My Apple Studio display obviously has a fan in it, which I barely ever hear. I'm looking, so I'm just looking around. I don't think I've got anything else that's got a fan in it. So it's probably less of a deal for me. And I spend most of my time on phone calls. So it's not like I have music on it to drown it out. So I would hear it. I'm very um, acutely aware. I was amazed this week. If you recall a few weeks ago, Rod, we were talking about USB-C docks. And I was in the office and all you could hear was this big fan going on somebody's desk. I was like, what's that noise? And it was the USB-C dock. And I was like, how is that so noisy? And the computer, that you know, the, the Windows 11 laptop they were using was making no noise whatsoever. But yet the dock that it's plugged into, that's in my in my head, just brokering the, the you know, the VG, VJ, the HDMI connection between the laptop and the screen and doing very little else other than like a keyboard hub. Uh, why is the fan on it? It was a bit, bit alarming. But no, I have not had any issues with the heat, to be fair. That's crazy. So I've got a not very interesting anecdote about... I tr- had to install a backup server for my, my VM machine, my Proxmox backup, my Proxmox virtual machine server. I thought, I'm a bit concerned. I'm running a, v- a bunch of VMs and Kubernetes and, and do- uh, Docker instances on this, and none of them are backed up. I better fire up a backup server. So I had to build a PC. So I built a PC, but I, you know, you're crawling around the floor, you're putting hard drives in it and all the rest of it. And one thing I quite liked about that was I put in a six terabyte hard disk and a 256 gig SSD because I just happened to have them lying around. I set up the backups and my Proxmox server, I backed up, I'm backing up seven virtual machines to it nightly, 2130 every night. They're not that mission critical. So I thought nightly is good enough. It decided I have enough backups for 96 years. You respect that. Uh, maybe a little bit, but you know, if I add more virtual machines, it's fine. I just that amused me with it was sort of deletion schedule. I think it keeps them all for like two weeks or something like that, and then it deletes the oldest one if I want to. But I think I've got enough backups in my six terabyte hard disk to last me for a while. So that was something. It's impressive, mate. That's all I'm going to say. That is pretty impressive. But this is not the weather to be crawling around and doing updates no, and stuff. But while I was at it, my gaming pc my linux pc kept cutting out on the heat i'd, I'd fire up something fair not very sort of taxing for it and it would keep cr- crashing on me i was like what is going on so i had to crawl around with that as well with all the fans blasting and that was not fun and what had been happening was a power cable for the graphics card had actually managed to kink and was actually occluding one of the two fans that's on the graphics card so it would get a little bit hot the heat wasn't helping i think this could have happened whenever it's, it's obviously the heat that's going 
thing now that had masked it. And the graphic card was overheating and the whole PC was shutting down. So I was slightly terrified I'd torched my rather expensive NVIDIA graphics card. Thankfully it seems to be okay, but it's interesting sort of the little problems that you can get with things with fans in, in these kinds of temperatures. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And I haven't heard much about it. Obviously I work in IT and we haven't had people phoning in with any issues or anything. So I'm surprised because we've got people working from home in offices, in cabins on construction sites, and yet we've heard very little. So I'm surprised it's not a more widespread problem. It's all a bit more robust and not everybody's trying to play flight simulator on the graphics card. So, you know, fair enough. Good. True, but no, on the whole, it's been all right. Good. I think we can call it a show and we managed to do over an hour again. We we probably need to work out how we trim down rumours and things, and so it's a bit more concise for the for the listener. Well, yeah, well, as long as the listener keeps enjoying it, and you know, hopefully you all are out there. And if you did want to get in touch with us and tell us what to do about the show or any questions you had, you could you could email us at wakefromsleep at protonmail dot com or drop us a tweet on Twitter. We are wfs underscore podcast. I'd love to hear from anybody. Absolutely, good show, Chris, and talk to you next week. Yeah, cheers, Rod. Thank you. Bye-bye.